It's been 20 years since 9-11. Today's college freshmen, they weren't even alive then. And with our busy lives and the relentless 24-hour news cycle, we're in danger of letting 9-11 fade away from our cultural memory. We won't let this happen. Iron Light Labs presents the 20 for 20 podcast, 20 heroic stories about 9-11 for the 20th anniversary. I'm Nils Jorgensen. I was a New York City firefighter for almost 22 years until I contracted the rarest form of leukemia from cleaning up Ground Zero and was forced to retire from the job I loved. I'm lucky to be alive. Many of my best friends aren't. But this isn't about me. It's about the heroes of 9-11 and its aftermath who forged good out of evil. Love amidst the taking of 2,977 innocent lives and about an equal number who've died since then from 9-11 related illnesses. Today's story, episode 14 of 20. At the time, because it was so soon after 9-11, it's like everybody has an agenda. You know, I think that's what was frustrating me a little bit. You know, right away, the media is on you. Right away, everybody wants to know the story. So I'm like, okay, I'm defiant. You know, I want to show America that there is a, a story of victory from this or a good story. And that's really who we are. We can get knocked to our knees, but we're not going to stay there. And we're going to rise up. And, and, you know, I want to talk about the firemen. I want to talk about the people in my office. I want to talk about all those things. But when you're on a show or a program, they have an agenda. And it's their agenda. It's two minutes about the woman you carried down the wheelchair. And it's great, but... You know, and then you start, and that starts weighing on you. And then you start, what am I doing, you know? What we're doing today is honoring Michael Benfanti's entire story without agenda. Yes, Michael and his colleague, John Sequera, physically carried wheelchair-bound Tina Hansen down 68 floors of the World Trade Center's North Tower to safety just minutes before it collapsed. And they're rightly recognized as heroes for it. But there's so much more to his story than the two minutes that the media gives it. Michael Bonfanti's story continues for more than 46 minutes after this message about our generous sponsor. Now let's get back to Michael Bonfanti. What brought me to the World Trade Center that day was work. I managed a sales office for a telecommunications company. I actually started working there in 1999, and at that point... On 9-11, I was managing the office, and I had about 28 people in my office that day, on the 81st floor. As most stories go, it started out just like any other day. I got to the office early. We usually uh, start our day with an 8 o'clock meeting. However, it was a Tuesday, so it was an out day. It was an out-selling day. Normally, I would have about 40 to 50 people in the office, but since it was a selling day, most of the, a lot of the people in the office started their day out on sales calls. So. I was there um, just trying to get the, the team together, get ready for their appointments, um, talking with different people. And I was on the phone, I remember, with a good buddy from Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, as I was hanging up the phone, I just felt this, this, uh, this, this, this explosion, so to speak. And at the time I, I heard this impact, um, it was almost simultaneously, I heard one of my sales reps scream, oh my God, which was, um, you know, stands out to me more because how often do you hear a grown man scream like that? And he happened to be standing by the large uh, wooden doors, the entrance to our office, and he was the first to feel it. And then after I heard him, almost simultaneously, I, I felt the, the trembling of the building, the thunderous 
you know, movement. And as I got up, I was a little off, off kilter. You just felt the building sway a little. And then I just tried to, uh, just try to uh, get my balance. And uh, as you can imagine, the uh, people in the office were very panicked. They were very scared. And as I uh, realized the explosion coming from the entrance where the doors were, my own office was on the south side of the building that overlooked the southern tip of Manhattan. So from my office, you could see in the New York Harbor, almost the Statue of Liberty. So I looked out my window and you could see flames and debris shooting out from above, which we now know were the nose of a plane pushing through. So I knew there was an explosion. I saw these flames up here. I saw the doors to my office blow open. So I ran through the office. I just yelled at everybody to calm down ran through the doors, tried to get a, uh, an idea of what was going on. And as I entered the hallway, you could just see um, like the walls around the elevator banks, the sheetrock walls were like crumpled in. A lot of the ceiling tiles were down. It was a major destruction, but you could see that there was a lot of things that were just not where they should be. Any, any fire or smoke at that point earlier not, on? Nothing, not nothing not at that point because, yeah. again, um, I was on the 81st floor. And my office was, luckily, in the southeast corner of the building. And okay. the plane hit from the north. Okay. So, and it hit, I think it was from like 92 to 90. You know, it was about 11 floors, 12 floors above me. So, um, fortunately for us, that it was above us. And um, ran out to the office. I mean, when I ran out to the hallway... I could see that the stairwell to the right was clear. So I ran back into the hallway and, um, you know, the guys, you know, we, at that point we started hiring a lot of people out of college. So a lot of young guys. And, um, there were a lot of people that were just very, very scared. They were terrified, but mostly I think they were in shock. So I remember one of my, uh, sales reps coming up to me, his name was Mike Wright. And he was like, Ben, we, we have to get out of here. And I said, okay. And I just thought, I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe it was some type of gas explosion. I, I couldn't really put my mind around it. So I just yelled at everyone to get to the center of the office. And the amazing thing for me was to see all these, my guys, these sales reps converge, listen to me in this time of panic and get to the center of the office. And then from there, I just said, drop everything and, and, and head to the door. Get out, you know, get, get out and start getting down. And... Um, they, the, the funny thing is, is because after they got out and they were going down the stairs, someone said there was someone stuck in a bathroom. I went back, climbed over some debris in the middle of the hallway, checked the bathroom. Nobody was in there. Came back into the office, grabbed the bag, grabbed my phone, checked the perimeter of the office. And then I started heading down. And as soon as I got to the stairwell, my cell phone rang. And um, it was my fiance at the time, who is now my wife. And um, we met there two years earlier. And then as we started, she went on to work in the entertainment business. And this my, you know, when cell phones and things were down, my, she got through. But what I didn't realize is I'm speaking to her and I can hear her clearly, but she could not hear me on the other line. But the reason why I bring it up is I went back to my cell phone records after the fact and I wanted to see when that call came through and it came through at 8, 8.52, only six minutes. So within six minutes, we, everybody in the office was already heading down the stairs. And, and it, it's, it's quick. And it proved to be crucial because everybody in my office made it. And, you know, I had to hand it to these guys, too, because, um, you know, I said, drop everything, you know, leave everything behind. And they did. The only thing they didn't leave behind with it were each other because they all went down in groups and nobody just ran out. And I think as a result of that, they were all like watching out for each other. Yeah. They all kind of made sure they all got out safely. So.
it was uh it's one of the you know one of the things i like to try to talk about of of the way they just reacted and and it just you know it's a it's a testament to who they were and the, and the type of people they are their goodness yeah. their goodness shown yeah. right through immediately yeah yeah, and, yeah you know and at that point you, you you were still uncertain of it being either a really really bad accident or right. you weren't aware that it yeah, was a something terrorist from the incident. building I, I had no idea that it was a plane yeah um and um and if i did it was probably rumors of like a small plane or something nothing that serious so i'm in the stairwell after i thought i talked to my fiance i started heading down and i ran into uh another sales rep john sequera now john that spring he was going to uh, north carolina state he was attending school there and during his spring break he came up to new york to kind of look at possible jobs and so at that time he came to see me and i said listen when you graduate come interview and I, and maybe i'll offer you a job and that's exactly what happened he came back in june and i offered him a job and he had only been there three months and he's in the middle of one of the most you know terrifying ordeals in u.s history and where i thought i had everybody ahead of me and down it was unaccounted for so i said just stick with me let's go down together and that's what we did and we just started heading down the stairs together and it was pretty free moving up at that point from like 81 to the to the 60s you know you just kind of heading heading down i know there were some come guys stuck in an elevator i was just trying to help different people we got to i think uh there's like a main floor like 78 where the elevators it's a main kind of uh sky lobby sky yeah. lobby yeah. and um and i remember people yelling there was fire and i i, I tried I, I grabbed the fire extinguisher in the stairwell and I started going back up, but everybody was coming down. I said, this is, just, this is counterproductive. I'm not getting it. So I just put it down, and I continued to head down. John was still with me, and um, as we approached the 68th floor. So when you're in the stairwell, a lot of the doors to the floors are closed. But then sometimes they'll be open, because naturally they're supposed to be closed. So the door to the 68th stairwell was open. And I remember just kind of looking in as I'm going down, and I could see, I just it's vivid in my mind, there was like a Snapple machine you know and it, the glass was broken on it and i was like well why would someone break the glass on a snapple machine you know or it just seemed odd so i stepped off the stairwell and onto the 68th floor and john john followed and um so i started walking down a hallway and i saw all these people milling about and i'm trying to tell them the stairwell is clear to get to the stairwell it's it's free moving and then i looked down another long hallway to my right and it's these huge glass doors and there are these women just standing there like behind the glass doors and they're holding like bag, you know, bags and stuff. So I go running down the hallway and I'm about to bang on the door. The woman flips a button and then the door is open. And I'm about to say you can, and then as, as the door is open, a woman stepped aside and there's a woman in a wheelchair. And I said to her, do you need help? And she said, yes. And at that time there was a, a evacuation wheelchair alongside her. And, um, and I liken it to like a hand truck and a beach chair. It was like, folded together with these straps around it. And um, I'm frantically trying to open this thing in all the wrong ways. And then finally I see a switch on the back. I hit it, the thing opens up. John's with the woman in the wheelchair. We take her from that chair. We put her in the uh, evacuation wheelchair and we strap her in. And these evacuation wheelchairs are made, they have like sliders on the bottom or slay, you know, like rails. They're made to kind of slide down the steps. But John and I, you know, I was, you know, a lot younger then, obviously, and John was right out of college. I mean, couldn't have picked a, a better partner for this ordeal, a young, strong, just good-hearted kid. And once we had her in, we just picked her up. 
me on the left and John on the right, and we just started carrying her down. And uh, she, uh, you know, I come to find out later that she, you know she had been there for the '93 blast years earlier. Mm-hmm. So maybe at that point, by that point, by the time and she I, was in a wheelchair at that point yes, as well. Yes. So she, mm-hmm. yeah. So that must have been so, on her mind immediately. How am I getting out of here? Yeah. And it was, and you know, like I said, you know, having John, I I'd known him only for three, three months. I'm his manager, a young, strong kid. And he, he was right in it with me, you know? I mean, he's listening to me, you know, like anything else, there's a responsibility there because I, I kept him there. You could have left, I, you know, yeah, right. left. Yeah. And I, and I could have told him to go, but I, maybe not knowing the whole time was the, the best well, you knew, you knew the lack of information was the best information, so to speak. Your gut instinct was right when you hired him. You made the right draft pick. Yeah, and, for sure. Just oh, for sure. Not realizing it at the time. Yeah. So, on our way down, somebody just happened to say, um, you know, there's a water on the 55th floor, a water station. And, uh, and we're carrying her down. And at that time, she had a mask on, like the mask we wear today. Um, and I said, You want water? And she's just like, oh, No, it's not important. I'm like, You know, you want some water? I want to get you some water. But um, my intention was to try to find out what was going on and maybe get to a phone. And I think that was the same for John. So she, she was not like, I need water. But we set her down on the 55th floor anyway. And I always kind of make a little, not a joke of it, but I say, don't go anywhere. You know? And um, I don't say that. Like, I think I just wanted the rest to, to be heard to her to be rest assured that I'm coming I'm not trying to right. leave you You're, I just need yeah. to do something and lightheartedly you were letting her know hey, we'll right we'll be uh, back. you know yeah. so we ran into an office and John's on the phone I remember and this office I was in I went to the window and at this point you're overlooking the courtyard where the globe used to be where I used to have lunch all the time and, and you could see there are things just like strewn about all over the courtyard and you can't really see what they are from 55 floors up but you know it's not good and I just didn't go there then I went to a phone and I dialed home and I called and I got through to my father thought I already let my fiance know I was okay so I called my father now at this point the second plane had already hit and I didn't know it I we were in, pretty insulated in this stairwell and you can hear explode thunder thunderous like sounds but you don't know what it is and so when I got through to him he was obviously beside himself so he's watching this unfold and he already seen the second plane hit. And I said, Dad, and he's like, where are you? And I'm saying, I'm helping a, a, a handicapped woman down the stairs. I think I said something like, maybe I'll look for an elevator, make him think that, that we're gonna get out sooner. And he was just, he was beside himself. But I was like, listen, I gotta go. You know, I'll call you when I get out. And I never gave him any time to tell me that two planes hit the tower, which proved to be huge because I still didn't know, and there's no reason for complete panic, and you know, you're just kind of moving along. So I hung up with him. I grabbed, grabbed Tina some water, and, and we picked her up, and then we started down. Now, at this point is when we started running into the firemen coming up, and uh, and uh, they were exhausted. I mean, they they're just carrying all kinds of equipment, hose, you know, hose and axes and oxygen tanks and and just everything. And they're trudging up these stairs. And as they're coming up, you know, the normal traffic moves out of their way. And then we would turn the corner and they'd see three across and they would move out of our way. And, and they, 
you know, I can look at all this in hindsight, obviously. Um, and um, they were just, to me, amazing, more so in hindsight, because they're just telling, keep going, not, not saying a word, just keep moving, everything is okay, everything is fine. And you can almost, you know, tell now that what their lips were saying, their eyes weren't telling the same story. And, you know, and I remember there was a, 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 this Asian guy, I remember, you know, you have these little, you know, you have these pictures in your head. And he was in like a suit, but he must have been a volunteer fire, but he's helping them. He had like a hose and he's going up and the fireman is saying, just put it down and head down. And he's like, no, I feel good. I feel good. And he wanted to help him go up. You know, I'll just always remember that because I thought maybe, well, what I'm doing is easy. Maybe someone else could take her and I'll help them. But I didn't. I just stick to the course and we continue down. And these guys were just heading up, just going in, knowing. And this is what I always say, man. You know, people use terms for me and what I did that day, but there's no comparison. Um, these guys knew. They knew what they were going into, you know? They knew. I didn't completely know. Um, and, and to me, you know, just knowing, knowing that, I mean, I'm, I'm so proud in a sense, knowing we have guys in, of that character, people, just, women just, and men of that character, you know, knowing, you know, that, see, and there's a lot to go with that and, and, and what happened that day and, and, and my defiance and, 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 and what this country's all about. Um, and we can go into that, but just seeing those guys go up the steps knowing what they were facing I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it and um, so we continue down and they keep moving over for us and and they're just everything's fine just keep moving everything is everything is good just keep moving and I remember getting around the 31st floor and I and there's like again a door open to off the stairwell and you can see a fireman on his back and he can't catch his breath I think he was having a heart attack so he just he was on his back. I think there was someone with him. And, and as I got to the next set of firemen, I told told him about it. And he was like, yeah, we got the call. We're on our way to him. And and he said, listen, on the 23rd floor, there's like a triage. You could set her down there, not knowing the situation. So I looked at her and I said, listen, you want me to set you down on the 23rd floor or whatever? You know, and she just kind of motioned to me with this mess. So we continued down to 10 flights or whatever. And as I got closer, I said, listen, you want me to set you down? I said, listen, you just say the word. I'll take you all the way out of here. Or whatever you want to do. She goes, I want to stay with you. And we just continued down. And um, further we got down is that's when the log jam kind of started. And um, slow moving, really slow moving. I think maybe we left the stairwell too to go in another. And it was just packed. And um, And the more packed it got, the more panicked people got. And the more vocal they got. And the more vocal they got, the quieter I got. Because I'm just like, and it's driving me crazy because like I said, as long as I was moving, I'm fine. But when I stop moving and you hear all this, you, you, you know, your mind starts to run. So I just wanted to keep looking at the next step, looking at the next step. I just wanted to get out of there, get this woman out of there and go home. More of Michael Bonfanti's heroism and harrowing escape out of the North Tower after these messages from our sponsors. And now let's return to Michael. 
So we kept going down, and I think it was around, we were getting close to the 10th floor is when um, the South Tower collapsed. And I didn't know it at the time. But when you're walking down the stairwell, if there was a door, the door open to a floor, it would be open. You just push it aside and you move past and you go down. But at the down 10th floor, there was this force of wind, this this force that was blowing this door open, blocking the stairwell. So you, you literally had to push it with all your might, get by it, and if fly back open again. And that's that's when we got to the 10th floor and then it was slow moving. And at the fifth floor is when we left the stairwell. And uh, we went into the fifth floor and there was, I think it was like, a, a, I don't know, it was dark, it was smoky. Things just looked like kind of all out of, out of sorts. And I think it was kind of like a maintenance floor because I remember there were lockers and I remember we had to pick up the woman in the chair and kind of carry her over and maneuver. And at this point now, it was myself on the left, John on the right, and a fireman was helping on the back. And we're going through the stairwell. We're going through this floor, you know, and we're trying to find our way out. And I'm following a fireman. And I'm watching everything. That's my deal. Quiet and watching everything. Watching the next move. Watching like, and I'm watching him. And I see him go to this doorway or this side of the floor. And he goes to another fireman. And he's trying to get out. And the guy's like, I'm watching all. He's like, no. He's waving his hand like, you can't go this way. And so then we start going another way. And I'm following this fireman. And we start going the other way. And, um, and again, same deal. Can't go that way. So now it's like, it's getting a little scary, you know, it's getting. So I'm following him again. He starts going back the other way. And, um, and people were like, well, we already went that way. You know, we're not going that way. And I'm following this fire. And it, I don't know if you ever saw like the old uh, movie when the ship goes Poseidon Adventure. Yeah. Remember when they're going up and they go this way because they're going to the bottom. You see that wall of people going that way and they didn't want to go with them. Yeah. So I followed that fireman. He got there. The guy's like, all right, go now. And we went. And we got to the stairwell, and I remember it was just dark and water and smoke, and I was just following these fluorescent strips, and we flew down the last five floors, the three of us, carrying the woman. So the, fire, the fireman was still stayed, on the back. Stayed man. with you. Stayed with us. And now, did you, did you see a number on his helmet? Did no. You, did you, know you what? ever figure out who he no, was? No. And I've told this story a number of times, and there's another encounter I had with a fireman. So this that, particular guy, you don't know if he lived or died then. Well, I could tell you what happened. The rest of the time and maybe it was the same guy so we get down into the lobby now, and the lobby is just blown to pieces kind of and and you can correct me if i'm wrong but when the planes hit the tower the fuel had to go somewhere and they shot down the elevator banks causing like a fireball so people at the bottom when they opened the elevator just came out like a fireball and people got burned and it just was like a bomb going like a like a flamethrower bomb going through the lobby. So now, don't forget, I'm down there a lot later. And if you remember the tower, it's just glass with the, the, the metal strips that would hold these different, and it was all blowing out. And I'm now on the west side highway portion of the lobby, right? I'd come in from this side, but now I'm on the west side highway. And I remember I'm down on the lobby and I'm just looking around in a daze. Because really, I'm outside the stairwell now for the first time. And I'm really seeing some pretty bad stuff. And um, and I remember just kind of looking around, still had my hand on the chair, the evacuation wheelchair. And this fireman is going, just take her, take her out through the wall. And I'm, I remember watching this fireman 
helped this woman out the bottom. She had bare feet, just climbing over the glass, right through, right through the wall, like right through that wasn't there anymore. And we went the same way. And again, it was me, John, and the fireman, and I'm facing the Hudson River going out, out the building. And there was an ambulance there facing south. And um, we, we, we put her in the ambulance, John and I. And uh, fireman, by that point, he, I don't know, he just kind of walked off or, or disappeared and put her in the ambulance and, and she finally starts to cry. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, what are you crying for? And again, I, I, don't, I didn't look be, behind me yet. I don't know what's going on behind me. I don't know the South Towers. Down. I don't know any. I'm still facing West. Put her in the ambulance. So I said, here, don't worry about your motorized wheelchair. You know, when I get back up there, I'll make sure I get it for you. And all this stuff. And the, and the ambulance drivers, like, you want to get in? And we're like, no, why? And we put her in and then we turn around. And um, I'm standing there at the, at the foot of the tower. And I could see my tower is still intact in this fire, but, but I could see this facade like sticking up out of the ground. And I looked like the, 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 the Marriott's connected to the North Tower right in front of the South Tower, which I can't even see is not there anymore from my point of view because I'm too, too close to the North. I can't even see the South, North, the South Tower isn't there. So I didn't even know it was down, but that's where all the other debris was from and the, and the, Marriott looked like uh, like a giant took an arrow and just smashed it down the middle. That's what it looked like to me. It had a little bit of a V. And I'm standing there, and um, and John's starting to walk north. And this guy came out of nowhere. Well, first there was a fireman with a white shirt on. Must be a cab. He was clean still. Yeah. And, um, and he's saying, listen, don't go south. Because if you go south, be prepared to, you know, you can't. And, and this is the thing. And this is what I realize now, because obviously we've had 20 years, but so many things make more sense because you get down there, you think if it's, if it's like all this is going on, it'd be like a fire drill and people are going to be like, all right, let's go, you move up, get, get out, start running, go this way. But none of that was going on because the South Tower had fallen and these guys were in shock. You know, this fireman there just lost how many people? And I get it. I get it. I fully get it. Yeah. You know, it was like, we're all down there. And if we're still down there, we're probably down there for a reason. Or these guys, you know, they have their mind on their men and what, what's going on. And, and I fully get it. And uh, the guy was like, just don't go south. And I look to the north and I see John. John's like, come on, Mike. I, I don't want to see dead people. And um, I see his chin going to his chest and he's weeping. And I look at him and, and I'm like, you know, why is he crying? know and then i see why and i i look up and the people falling from the sky you know and uh and that's that's when you know your whole world flips around you know you get all you get all upside down you know up until then you know you're just making your way and you're helping people out and then all of a sudden you see something like that and your whole world is nothing makes sense anymore so i immediately go to john i'm like let's go and I just saw like the most horrific thing in my life. And then there was a cameraman down there and he starts asking me questions and, uh, and I'm answering them. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, you know, just lucid and just kind of business-like, but I'm, I'm looking up as I'm answering them and I'm, and I, and I'm just answering them, you know, and I'm just still trying to get my mind around what I just saw. And it was just, 
in my mind, it just the only word that came to mind was chaos. It was just chaos. And so I, um, I answered his questions and then I just started walking away. And he disappeared. He must have started going north, right? And um, I'm walking up, just walking away from it. No sense of urgency. Well, no real, you know, not really knowing South Tower isn't there, not knowing this tower could fall. And as I'm walking, it, I just heard this explode, like rumbling, you know? And I look back once, and I could see my tower coming down behind me. And I just thought, I'm dead. And I was thinking, Mike, you're an idiot. All these things run through your mind. You don't, you're like, you are, what are you doing down here? What are you doing wasting time? What are you doing just milling around, man? You're going to die now. And, uh, and I just took off. I mean, I always thank my coaches in high school, my track coaches, football. I mean, I remember I, I, I was considered a fast kid, you know, and I took off. And the strange thing about it is, the strange thing about it is it's just the first time that day, it was like every man for themselves. No, John was still with you. He at was that still point with money. me, right? And I remember seeing a fireman there and I just took off. Yeah. There was no, there was no, like worrying about you just take off Instinct's and right. I took off and I passed everybody and I'm running and this thing is coming down behind me and I could feel it and you could just feel it like this this wave of debris is going to get you and you're going to go down so I'm running up this the sidewalk there's a chain link fence on the left and I remember it's car 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 truck truck was a little up off the curb and I dove underneath it threw my torso underneath there and just waited for it to crash and uh and you could just hear things you know everything hitting cars and, and people yelling and and I, I'm underneath there and someone lands on top of me and then everything just goes black black is black I mean we talked about that day it was beautiful right and I'm outside I could not see the hand in front of my face and I'm like nobody knows where I am I can't breathe it's black and this is this is hell, you know. And uh, and so I just start calling for John. I'm like Johnny, Johnny. And all of a sudden I hear this voice, and he goes, "Just stay down, it'll pass. Just stay down, it'll pass." And John's not answering me. And I thought the person on me was dead or something. And sure enough, it went from black to charcoal to gray. And all of a sudden I'm down. I didn't want to touch myself. I don't want to say. And all of a sudden I feel this pat on the back, like attaboy, and it was a fireman. It was a fireman. I, I don't know if I beat him to that spot and he wanted to get there or he just saw me and he covered me up. Wow. And uh, and I don't know, who, I, I don't know who, I'm hoping he come, he come forward because I've told this story a number of times. He even wrote it in a book and uh, you want to remember everything. I wish I, I had video of everything. I understand. But, um, and then all of a sudden I hear John, Mike, Ben, he's, he's up way too quick. And he's stumbling around, and, and uh, we find each other, and we just walk out of it. Now, Mike, if you don't mind me asking, when, when you first became aware that you consciously saw that that's starting to fail, how far would you say you were from the building line to that perception? And then when you took off, I mean, how close do you think you were to the edge of the building? A couple blocks, a few blocks, a couple blocks maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I was close. And with anyone in those, that sprint, people that were aside you, just in front of you, just behind you, was there people killed at that point? Well, I mean, I, they... I don't know because there's video of it. Okay, so I, I forgot that part of the story. As I'm running, 
there's a cameraman on the ground crouched down filming me, I remember. And he's on the sidewalk, and I'm like, this guy's gonna die. And I'm taking off, and you could see, if you, you could see the footage. You see me pass by, and then you just see these people behind me, and you see the wave, and you see this guy, he's lifted off his feet, and you see him skidding into the, into the ground, and everything goes black. Wow. Yeah, and it's, and, uh... So that's the cameraman, and he made it? Yeah, or, he made it. Wow. He made it. And, um... And, uh, you know, so much more is out now. You know, you can find all these little things. So when it first, when I first saw it, it was always fast motion. And then there was a way people have, have had the clip of it slowing down. And you could see my face clearly. And, you know, you want to talk about someone literally running for his life and what they look like. That was me. And uh, it's just, it's surreal. It really is. It's, 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 um, it's really unbelievable in a sense. I was there. I was in that building for a long time. I might have seen like the last couple of firefighters get out. They say was 102 minutes from when the first plane hit my tower to the, I would say I was probably in there maybe 96 of those minutes, 90. I was yeah, I'd have to say, you know, 96 of those. I don't know for sure. And uh and it's it's amazing. It's amazing that I'm here. It's only by the grace of God, but um you know, and it's, you know, the, the, the question is why, you know, um, you know, God has a plan for you, this and that. And uh, I can't sit there and, and, and try to, you know, we all love for just to hear it, just to be able to know this is it, you know, go on, get it done. But it's not the way it's supposed to be. So I've just been trying to do the best I can and just still kind of be my, my, my considerate self. Um, I'm not always that way. I mean, you know, anger, you know, do, there are some probably, you know, anger, you know, mostly with people that, you know, love or your arguments and stuff like that. It happens. Yeah. And, and you, uh, and you're like, what are you doing, man? You're here, you know, you're here. And so you get, you can get, you can get down on yourself. You can get, get, uh, you know, you get depressed, you can get, you know, anxious but um god's grace is an amazing thing i mean it's you know there's there's certain things you have to deal with too i mean you know to think that like any any one step it was me or any one part of it to even just like go there like oh i did this or i did a great no man <laughs> i had someone with me the whole way if i didn't i wouldn't be here and that's it you know it's it's shame. You know, you think about an emotion or, or, or you know, it's, you feel a little shameful in a sense to ever think that it's all you or even a little part of it was, you know, it's, 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 you deal with a lot of really, uh, but you, you have to, you can't let it get the best. Of you. you can't let it keep you down. You got to face it. You got to try to wrap your mind around it and, and make sense of it. So, so. You know, you, you do what you're supposed to do for all those people that can't do it because they're not here. We were blessed. Yes. By surviving. Yes. But it's hard to carry that sometimes aside the guilt. You know, the guilt yeah. is with it at all times. Yeah. You're grateful, but yet the guilt is so huge to carry right. around. And uh, mm -hmm. and it, it materializes in a lot of different emotions. Like you said, anger, frustration. Right, right. We get disappointed in people because sometimes we yeah. feel like they're not cherishing that gift. 
Right. That yeah. sometimes I feel yeah. like I'm not enough. You know. Uh, you know, my wife always sets the. She's like, don't sweat the small stuff. You know, but and then there's the song that's the little things that kill. But yeah, no, but you know, that's maybe because it's us. We let the little things kill us. You know, yeah. when it shouldn't. And um, so it's you know. You think after 20 years I'd be wiser? I don't know if I am. I like to think I'm a little wiser. I wish I was a lot more. But um, I am, you know, truly thankful. I'm, I'm very blessed. I have, you know, great family and great friends. And, and you know, if I could be around it and, and, and revel in it all the time, that's not the way life is. But if that's, you know, that would be my thing to do, you know. We try to smile as much as we can. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I do. I try to, I try to laugh a little more than than ever. Just try to find the humor in things and uh, and let people know that you know I, I'm 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 happy. I'm blessed. You know, I don't. I don't. You know, you don't want them to see that that person. And 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 I think that's you know for all the families of the people that lost someone, they want to see that. They they don't want to see someone that that has been that has been given this gift that's been as fortunate as me to go through this and and not and not appreciate life. I think it's it's helped me a little too to just kind of be more clear on on um, how I can live my life or live it myself. You know, you can't sit there and 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 debate it too much. You just got to know. You know, could I have lived it myself knowing? that I just left her on that 50 or left her and no, I couldn't have, no, there's no way, there's no way. And it's, it's not fair maybe to my wife and, or my fiance and my family and everything, but Hey, that's just the way it is. And I'm glad I didn't know in a sense, but I, 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 I know now, you know, my, you know, you, you walk around with this sense of invincibility, you know, and I always did, you know, you think you can get through anything or, you, you know, it's a bruise or whatever. And, you know, when that's taken away from you a little, it can, it could, it could knock you for a loop and it can also piss you off a little, you know, and you, and you want it back. You're never going to get it fully back, but you want it in a way that's going to be respectful and not so cavalier. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. How about uh, Tina, Mike? Have you have you kept in touch with Tina? Yeah. Did you? Well, this past twentieth anniversary, we we did a, a couple of things. You know, we we got involved with uh, the, these uh, uh, Jay Winnick and David Payne started this this nine eleven day where they're trying to keep the the day uh, uh, of about service and community and helping others and hopefully become a national holiday. And and so we did this um, this. Um, CSA spot on TV where it was just about going out and just doing just like we talked about just going out and doing something for someone just you know something as simple as holding a door whatever it is it's just a, a random act of kindness so I was able to spend a day with her then and I saw her one more time but you know uh, I said at the beginning of the story that it was my fiance and um, Joy and Joy and I had just got found a place to get married two weeks before 9-11 and the date we picked was uh September 13th, 2002, the next year. And that's a whole nother story. <laughs> whole year should have been about a wedding and it was, you know, it, it was just, in, it, you, know, you know, a lot of 9-11 stuff. But uh, Tina came to the wedding a year later. Oh, that's yeah, really nice. It was, it was very cool. Very, very gracious of her. And 
And uh, you know, on, on a big day for us, she was able, I was able to share it with her and, and have her there. And she's okay now, health-wise. Yeah, health -wise yeah. She's, she's, she's doing well. Okay. She's, you know, it's like all of us. I think it's um, easier for us to talk about it and be together. And um, you know, she knew a lot of people that were lost and, and, and that she worked with, and people that she knew in the Bip Tower and so on. So she had to get through that as well, I'm sure. And uh, so it's just, it's a, it just, it's good to see her. Michael, what, what is it that caused you to basically? give up the chance of you getting out safely mm. to make sure someone else did what would compel you mm -hmm. to say i could have just said i'm out of here mm -hmm. and you didn't mm -hmm. like that to me is yeah i have to know that yeah you know i used to always go back to you know it's the way i was raised and stuff like that but i think you know over years there's just more to it but you know i was raised um and i went to 13 years of catholic school before i went to college and you do for others, you know, that's, that you, that's what you're taught to do. And, and, um, I think the other thing that adds to it is, is that, um, my oldest sister, Susan, who was born six years before me was born down syndrome. So, um, you know, I know what it's like to be born with, with, with strength and with, with, um, heart and, and, and knowledge and, and, and intellect and, and confidence and but i also know what it's born not to have that and and there's no sometimes rhyme or reason why one or the other happens but it's recognizing what you have and 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 knowing or being um considerate of of the of the fact that other other people may not have that and it might be simple as athleticism as opposed to intellect or, 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 you know, or intellect. Um, now, you know, I bring up my sister Susan and, and to me, there's no one that could have as much pure sweetness and, and, and love and just natural love in her, you know, and that's her gift. Yeah. So I've always thought I have these gifts. I'm born with these gifts. A lot of people are, I mean, that's why people become firemen, I think, because they know that they, they can help others. They're born with these gifts. So how can I take this gift and share it? So as, as a person, how can I take this gift or how can I take these attributes and share them? And, and you know, and, and in New York City too, there's there's little things you see, you know, you're, you're, we're an outside sales group. So we're in the subway a lot. We're on the steps. There's always people with carriages. There's always people with kids. What does it take for you to just stop and help someone down the steps? You know, we can get caught up on our lives. And I understand I'm, I'm as much to blame as the next person as far as impatience or, or being so focused on getting somewhere or getting something done. But I think sometimes we just have to stop just for a moment, check ourselves and, and, and just realize it's not that difficult, you know, to just help somebody. And it's not, it's not a matter of um, you're maybe more fortunate than they are. It's not, you don't have to think like that. It's just that it could be anybody. If it's maybe a million times easier for you to do it and at that time where it's a you know a lot harder just the lending hand you know that's it, all it is really and um i think it's a lot of a lot of being raised right and you were raised with good lessons and good values and and you know that sense of empathy i think comes with that right when people are teaching you and guiding you the right way yeah and the fact that you had empathy because 
you had a sister who at times probably needed someone to mm -hmm. to protect her and help right. her and right and and mm -hmm. shield her and so instinctually i think that kicked in in that sense that day for you and and of course having a spiritual background of mm -hmm. course make it solidifies it it's kind of hard um today's world to be selfless right it's yeah. it's it's kind of we're almost trained now the young exactly. people to to of be this just, world just, as they say it's all you about know, you the right? world can beat you down if you, yes if you you know and and you know it, it, it has to me too i'm not sure. i'm not beyond it or shielded from it i mean i'm just like anybody else so yeah i try not to be you know i think i just try to be um considerate i think with me it's probably more of a of, of a, an anger thing or 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 a um a lot of innocent people died that day i'm angry that it's it's just not necessary you know it's a it's a it's a cowardly act and for what for what i mean i don't want to get too far into it because obviously i'm not i'm not over that anger but you know we live in a free country and i think people that live here and, and and appreciate this country and love this country they love it because of that freedom and there are a lot of people that hate it because of that and i and i don't understand it. and it's hard not to still be angry about it or, or defiant about it but at the same time i think it um it, it just showed me so many lessons on how no matter what you still have to think of others you know I, I don't think we're put on this earth to be alone you know and um and i think sometimes someone someone's up there looking down on us and they're just laughing see how we're going to react you know how are we going to how are we how are we going to react in this situation you know how are we going to do with all these people of all diff, different different types and, and different people around you how are you going to how are you going to deal with so no matter what, what they did, right? We had people going in. We had people ready to face it and, and, and counter it, right? Innocent, civilians, firemen. There are soldiers that day, you wanna you want go there, but they're just civilians, but they still did it, right? No matter what they did, it served no purpose. It did not, it did not change who we are as a nation. Or, or the character of this nation. To me, that's the true character and that's what we have to remember and that's what we have to lift up and not suppress. That's the part that we have to teach. That's the part we have to instill in people. That no matter what, you're gonna have people, evil exists. It always has since the very beginning of time, right? But to me, it doesn't win in the end. The only time you, you it wins is if you let it win. And we didn't do that. And, and, and that's what I'm proud of. You know, I think the, the the biggest thing with the 20th anniversary and people asking you is, is that they're like, well, you know, it's been 20 years. You've gone through 29-11s and everyone is different, you know, but I think the reason why this, this, this year was so different and so, so kind of reflective is, is that, and I, I still talk to my reps and I hear how they're doing and is that you look at all the things that you would have missed if you weren't and all the things that you uh, wouldn't have done or or experienced if you weren't and you, you you know you just 
there's a lot of guilt with it because, you know, 9-11 is a day of memorial, you know? And, um, but for us, like these, these guys in my office and me, and, they, and a lot of them went through their own ordeal, believe me, seeing different things. And uh, for, for us, it's, it's a time to, to memorialize you know those those ones we lost, but it's also a time to to um, be thankful and and celebrate the the life that we we've, we've been given. You know, that was a lot. I am I'm just in awe that you you and John did that. I mean, that's that's mm. just mm. so honorable. You yeah, know, so mean, brave to I, be honest with you. Well, you know, I I, you I, know? I, I I'm I'm cautious about. Um, you know, doing these things, but I think sometimes it's necessary. And um, and I want to thank you guys for, for no. considering me and, and, and allowing you, me to Mike. do this. You're so real and sincere. That's yeah. what we love. You know, yeah. we're trying to get real stories yeah. out there. We don't want to be flowering anything up or phoning it up. We just right. want it to be told yeah. by the person who experienced yeah. it. You know, and you did a great job yeah. at it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Michael, for sharing your story. And to hear more from this incredible American voice, make sure to pick up Michael's book, Reluctant Hero, at Amazon.com. That's Reluctant Hero at Amazon.com. And folks, if you've enjoyed these stories, be sure to check out our website at 20for20podcast.com and consider signing up for our newsletter at the bottom of the page. You'll receive notifications about our latest episodes and great written summaries of them as well. We'll also notify you on future projects of Iron Light Labs. I also want to give a special shout out to all those who've served our great country in one way or another. From the bottom of our hearts, we thank you. And please, stay safe out there. And now, before we close, a special message from a dear friend of mine. Hi, this is actor Robert John Burke. I've been fortunate to be a part of projects like Tombstone, Law & Order Special Victims Unit, Gossip Girl, Rescue Me, But I've been even more fortunate to become friends with incredible first responders like your host, Nils Jorgensen. Folks who are willing to sacrifice every single one of their tomorrows so that we can have our today, as Nils so powerfully says. I lost a lot of my friends on 9-11, including my best friend. I felt like I had to pick up the flag for them. So I became a volunteer firefighter and I have been ever since. It's why I'm so grateful you're listening to the 20 for 20 podcast. I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review it and share it with five friends because these stories are so important. Thanks for listening.